This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. Because of the peace we have with God in Christ, Paul says we can rejoice in our sufferings. A reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. There isn't a single person that has ever walked the face of the planet that hasn't been forced to consider the question, what should I do about suffering? And the truth of the matter is this, that the vast, vast majority of people, just like you and just like me, we consider this question pretty often. Life is hard. Suffering is a part of, of life. You and I live in a sinful world, and that means that we will be given plenty of occasion to ask and to answer the question, what should I do about suffering? There's a ton of answers out there. Some people choose to ignore suffering. If I can just somehow pretend like the suffering doesn't exist, maybe in reality the suffering will sort of shrink away as well. Others choose the opposite. They choose to fixate on their suffering. It's all that they can think about night and day. It consumes them like a hungry hippopotamus. Some people choose to try to drown their sorrows in the excessive drinking of alcohol. Others try to numb the pain with pills and drugs. Some try to find some semblance of comfort by blaming their sufferings on others. 
Some people like to pull others into their suffering, feeling like there might be some sort of comfort in company. If I can't be happy, then at least someone else will be unhappy with me. Some people fume in anger at the injustice. How come I'm struggling so much and that person over there is living a happy and easygoing life? Others choose to wallow in their sufferings, in the grief, like a pig in the mud. And then they wonder why they're teetering on the edge of despair. In our second reading today, the Apostle Paul gives us some advice about suffering. And it's pretty different advice from that which the world gives. The world's proposals are are quite a bit different. In fact, the advice that the Apostle Paul gives us, it's almost unthinkable. He says, quite simply, what should I do about sufferings? Rejoice. And how in the world can Paul say that? Glory? Boast? Rejoice in sufferings? Is Paul crazy? Or maybe he doesn't know anything about what real pain is. Actually, neither one of those options is the truth. The Apostle Paul is speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and so it's actually God who's telling us to glory, revel, and rejoice in suffering. And the idea about Paul not knowing real pain couldn't be farther from the truth either. If you need the proof, take a look at the last half of the book of Acts. Paul's efforts to proclaim the gospel to the corners of the globe and the thanks that he received for it. Jumping off the page, you'll see the times that he was rejected and ridiculed, accused and abandoned, beaten and bloodied. He went through peril and pain, all for the sake of the gospel, all for the sake of proclaiming the good news of sins forgiven through Jesus, a ministry to which he ultimately gave his life. The truth is that Paul knew more than a thing or two about suffering. In fact, he was the poster child. Paul carried a cross that's heavier than most any of us will ever be asked to carry, and and he did it willingly. And even knowing all that, and even in the face of all of that pain, Paul bids us to follow his example and to rejoice in suffering. So how? How in all this painful and pitiful world am I supposed to do that? My pain is real, and I, and I know that yours is too. The searing pain of betrayal like a knife being shoved in your back. The sharp shards of a broken relationship cut deep as they slowly slip away. The real pain in illness and chronic disease, the emotional struggles of not ever feeling good enough, the heavy hollowness that's experienced in the loss of a loved one, the hopelessness of struggling with addiction, We could be here for hours, cataloging each individual and their, and their pain. Everyone is in a different scenario, but this much we can share, this much we agree on, the struggle is real. 
And life can just be plain hard. But Paul's not being flippant or overly simplistic when he, when he says rejoice in suffering. That's actually something that we can do. We can rejoice in our suffering. We can boast in the hardships that we're asked to bear because we know something that the world doesn't know. How could they? We know that our God is up to something in our lives. God doesn't dispense hardship like shrapnel coming from an exploding bomb. No, God has a purpose and God has a reason for everything that he does and everything that he allows into our lives. Consider Job. God had a reason for allowing pain into Job's life. It was to draw Job closer to himself. It was to make him stronger on the other side. God had a reason for the trials and tests that the Christians in the city of Rome were going through. Not the least reason, not the least of which was that it gave Paul the opportunity and the platform to share his comforting message with them and through them with us today. Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is up to something in our lives. It might be obvious, or it might be something we have to wait till glory to ask God about. But we know that he's up to something. Perhaps he's drawing us closer to himself. Perhaps he's testing us and refining our faith to make it stronger. Maybe he's sparing us from some worse calamity that would otherwise come our way. Maybe he's equipping us to be just the perfect person to serve someone else in the future who's in need. We don't always see what God's up to. We don't always know his purposes, but God certainly knows. Paul's words continue. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. There's a whole sermon in those 17 words. But we're halfway through this one, so I guess I'm going to have to just give you the highlights. At just the right time. What an amazing comfort that is for the person who's hurting, for the downcast, for the one who's feeling beaten up. At just the right time. Our God knows nothing but perfect timing. He does what he will, when he wills, and for his good purpose. God is in control. And God has a plan to bless you in your life. When we were still powerless, there's nothing that we could do to come to God. We've considered some of our weaknesses and frailties already this morning, but we haven't yet addressed our biggest weakness and our biggest frailty, and that's our inability to live up to the standard of life that God has presented for us. We all 
together collectively suffer from a debilitating illness called sin. And that cuts the deepest, and that leaves us the most powerless and with the biggest lack. Until Christ died for the ungodly. We were as far away from God as a person can get. We were as undesirable as a person can be. And then Christ died for the ungodly. Christ Jesus came to us. We were far away from God and and couldn't do anything to fix it, so Jesus came to us. We were undesirable to the world, but, but Christ desired us. He desired that we have a relationship with him. He desired that we have an eternity with him in heaven, and so he saved us. The righteous for the unrighteous. Christ Jesus desired that we have peace and hope and life. And so he gives those things to us. And how does he do it? Through suffering. By suffering for the sins of the world, yours and mine. By suffering for our injustice, for our ungodliness, for our arrogance. He suffers for every last sin and pays the dear price that we owed for them so that we could be washed clean and declared holy in God's sight. Our Savior Jesus shows us, he gives us these things by showing us an out-of-this-world kind of love. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' love is a love that is rarely seen in this world. I suppose you might come up with a few examples of someone showing heroic love, a a few examples, some evidence of someone that's willing to give their life for a good person or for a good cause, but it's rare. And even more rare, absolutely unheard of, is that someone would give their life for an enemy. Someone on the other side, someone who's hostile to them, someone who's actively seeking to do them harm. No one in their right mind would do that. But Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. The righteous for the unrighteous. While we were still sinners, when we were enemies of God, died so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have life with him. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Good Friday shows us the extent of God's love for us, that God was willing to give up his one and only son, that that Jesus was willing to suffer and die to spare us from the wrath of hell. Easter shows us God's love too. The payment price has been accepted because Jesus lives. Now we have life and have it to the fullest measure. This 
This life is not and should not be defined by our sufferings. This life is not about avoiding suffering or finding some measure of earthly comfort. No, it's so much better and deeper than that. This life is what our God makes it to be. This life is about a connection with God that he has secured. This life is about lost ones being found, about weak ones being made strong, about hopeless ones finding an unshakable foundation. This life is about the lifeless living, the guilty being declared innocent, and God's undeserved love, the love that only he can give being given to us in an unceasing way. God's love for us is eternal. And it takes us from this life into the life to come. We also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Does it make sense now? Boasting in our sufferings? If God is in control of all things, and if his timing is always best, and if his power knows no limits, and if his love goes even farther, and if he promises us grace and every blessing, and if all things work out for our good, and if our biggest enemy has already been defeated, and if he's already spared us from the eternal suffering that should be ours, and if God is up to something in our lives, and if nothing can, be, can separate us from his love, and because all these ifs are realities for us in Christ, do you want to live a different life? Would you have it any other way? We can boast, we can revel, we can rejoice in our God, and yes, even in our sufferings, because in Christ we have all that we need in him we have forgiveness. In him we have peace. In him we have everlasting life. Our God will strengthen us body and mind to endure all the hardships that he sees fit to lay in our path. But all the while he fixes our eyes heavenward to the perfect and pain-free place, the eternal existence that will be ours at Jesus' side in glory. In Christ, all of this is ours. And that means that all of this all of this is a reason for us to rejoice. Amen. Please stand. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.